Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast. So, Tour 69, I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today to talk to you today. You know what week it is. You, to, to mark the, the 69th, 269th episode, 69th, the funny word. Um, um, we are going to be talking a lot of Xenoblade Chronicles, but before, you, if you're like, hey, I don't care, or I don't want any information about Xenoblade Chronicles or impressions, um, there's a lot to talk about, so I'm gonna throw all that stuff at the end of the episode, so we'll have a normal episode first and foremost. Actually, it's gonna be kind of a little weird, because we'll kind of jump back and forth between a couple things, I think. But generally, once we wrap up the Patreon, I'll kind of see off those who don't want to hear about Xenosaga. Xenoblade, I'm sorry. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, go from there. Um, so, yeah. To get started on the normal episode, though, um, I uh, I think I, I think last week I had purchased them. So just so you know, I did. If if you were not here last week, I bought those Buddy Mission Bond cups. So uh, those are I ordered them from the Koei Tecmo store. Um, so those got to my proxy shipper, thankfully, um, and it uh, it was like forty bucks to ship uh, through DHL. So not too bad. It's like a two week delivery time. Um, you know, there's different insurance levels depending on the shipping you do. So, um, I was generally, uh, pretty happy with that cost. You know, in total, the cups, you know, cups plus shipping, we're talking like probably about a hundred bucks, but I kind of expected that. Um, and thankfully with the yen where it's at, uh, it is significantly cheaper than it would have been. Like, I think it's like nine, I would think it was 9,000 yen for them. Um, plus, you know, the four, I think it's like 5,000 yen shipping is what it was. Um, and yeah, so it would have been like 150, like uh, 140 bucks, something like that. So it would have been quite a bit more expensive. Um, um, and there's like 500 yen for shipping to the, you know, between Koei Tecmo to the proxy shipper, all that fun stuff. So it would have been an adventure and it still was, but you know, we got, we got in low and you know, at, at least I can feel good about that. You know, these buddy mission bond cups that I won't use that much. Uh, I'm sure when I get them, I'll do like a little, I'll try to get like different flavor. I don't know. I don't drink alcohol, so maybe like some, maybe like a, a row of Mountain Dews of flavor of colors that are related to the character, and fill up fill up the cup with that, and then take pictures. There you go. There you go. Instagrammable buddy mission bond cups. I don't have an Instagram, so, um, so yeah, I'm hoping that should be arriving sometime in the next like uh, week or or a week and a half about that that time frame. So, um, maybe not this next podcast, but the podcast after that, I should be certified buddy mission bond cup owner assuming they survive the mail um this is by the way buddy mission bond week if you're like hey ben i've been waiting for you to just explode all the words you have in your mouth to me about the video game buddy mission bond for the nintendo switch i'm here for you on wednesday not today on wednesday so if you're listening to this on monday couple more days you can uh, wait for it i've been playing around with the idea like maybe for like big videos i like you know, publish them on the Patreon on a Monday and then, you know, Wednesday it becomes publicly available. I, I don't know if I want to bother with that. I don't know. It's one of those things that it's like, okay, at least I'm not taking stuff away from people. Um, but it is like more management on my side to do. Um, so a lot of fun stuff with that. But anyways, Buddy Mission Bond, I hope you watched that video. Like I said, it's pretty lengthy, about 15 minutes about the game itself and another like five minutes about, you know, how to play that game um, in English. I, I do use a lot of footage from across the game. I, I, I think generally I try to represent a game as, as evenly as possible. Um, and I try very hard to make sure I cover up all like any kind of spoilers or anything like that. You know, I, I, I went through all the text that appears on screen and, and try to verify best I could that it wouldn't be anything that would spoil anything. There's like one thing that gets in there, but it's like, 
a location at the end of the game like that you, you go to. And so I was like, ah, I don't really care if like the, the person knows what this thing is called, I think. And, you know, that's assuming you can read Japanese. <laughs> um, so so that was like the one thing I compromised on. I was like, I won't worry about them saying this particular line about going to this place because um, it didn't really matter. Um, but anyways, so so but the rest of the the, the, the footage, I try my best to to, um, you know, not spoil anything. Um, I do think there's like a different understanding of spoilers to some degree. Like, like, like say the Otome community. I, I need to talk to somebody about this at some point. Um, but like, uh, so like I do present a lot of like CGs throughout the game because, you know, trying to keep a game visually interesting as you edit a video around it can, can, can be a challenge. Although Buddy Mission Bond is incredibly generous in that regard with a lot of stuff going on. Um, but you know, I tried not to go like too, too deep. You know, some of them I do take some later game CGs, but nothing that like is like kind of like the finale, say, CG between two characters um, kind of thing or anything like that. So try to keep that. But like still, again, I like to represent the game across the board. So anyways, I hope you like that video. And then just as a reminder, a week after that, I had a Patreon video that I did for Buddy Mission Bond where I unboxed my um, Blu-ray and CD set. Um, for Buddy Mission Bond, and that is coming out on the week after, so on the the Wednesday the week after, so two weeks of Buddy Mission Bond action for me and for you, very, very exciting. Uh, video games I played this week, well, buddy, well, I've been playing Walk It Out like a real true champ, <laughs> um, um, I do want to talk a little bit about Walk It Out, actually, I probably shouldn't, we have a lot of Xenoblade to talk about at the end of this podcast, but we're going to talk Walk It Out. So Walk It Out. If you haven't heard me talk about this game before, I think I mentioned it the last couple weeks, but this is a game where you put, uh, you have a Wii remote and you put the nunchuck in your pocket and you walk and there's music and there's a rhythm until so you walk to the beat. I think it's called Walk to the Beat in Europe. I always say, I always give it like a different name for Europe every time. There's a different name for Europe, but it's called Walk It Out in English or in English, you non-English speaking Europeans. And <laughs> um, in the US, it's called uh, uh, Walk It Out at least. Uh, I assume Canada, all that stuff. Yeah. Anyways, all that aside. Um, so I've been playing Walk It Out. And so if you don't know, Walk It Out, when you're walking, you get like a score, basically. So you build up a score and you use that score to build out an island. So you have like basically not a deserted island, but a pretty flat island overall. And you use your score to build, um, uh, you know, not necessarily build, like, I guess also like grow things as well. Like you can place trees, you can place benches. They're all in like predetermined spots and that you can't choose like what you're, you're building there. It's just point at it. And it says, this is a bench. Give us 40 points and we'll give you the bench. And you click it. And then like a bench will pop up. Sometimes people will be there and be like, hey, well, wave at you kind of thing. Um, and so the struggle I'm, I'm really having with that game, I, I think the core concept is very good and satisfying and works really well, but the building aspect of it, I think the problem with that is um, uh, I'm having a hard time finding the best way to feel like I'm having an impact on the island. Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned last week that like these things cost a lot of points and um, you have to, you know, you have options to kind of adjust the difficulty level so you don't have to spend as much points and things like that to, to build things. But at least on the normal difficulty, you know, the time you spend building feels like it has almost no impact at all unfortunately. And so I, 
I, I, I'm trying different things. You know, I'm basically saying, okay, let me try building big things first. Okay, going to build apartment buildings. I'm like, well, let me build an apartment block. I'm like, okay, so I'm building this apartment block. And I realize like when I'm building this apartment block out, it's a lot of points. And it basically just makes this one little square. It's like, okay, let me build a frame around the apartment block. So when you go into the apartment section, it'll just be the outer buildings of an entire, of the, of, of the apartments built for that entire section. And I started trying to do that, but it just takes so long. It's like, okay, I'm going to build like a couple of apartment buildings per day. I can go to the lighthouse and just build everything at the lighthouse and you build everything at the lighthouse. And like, yes, there's stuff there. Yes, there's people there, but it never feels like something exciting gets built or anything like that. So, so a lot of times it's just kind of like, yep, the benches are there. The street lights are there. The flower, two flower beds are there. And that's kind of it. And it, it, it's, it's just kind of underwhelming. I think, I think there needs to be a lot more in this game from a presentational standpoint of highlighting, you know, the things you built. Sometimes I, I built stuff and I, and I have a hard time finding where I built it a lot of times because I'm like, I can't really remember which trees were here, which weren't, things like that. Um, so unless I like really focus on an area, I really can't tell the difference when I'm walking around town um, if I just like building things at random as I pass by them. So... Um, I kind of wish that when you like built stuff, maybe the camera would change or like a window would pop up that would highlight what you built, things like that. Um, I wish there was more diversity in things you built too, because it feels like there's like five to 10 things you build across an entire island so far. Um, there are bridges and stuff I haven't accessed. So there's parts of the level that I, um, haven't actually gone to, um, or the, the, the map. I think, I think I have 80% of the map discovered at this point. Um, but, uh, it is a lot of points to open up those new bridges and, you know, the reality is, is when you cross that bridge, it's just going to be basically a plain area overall. If anything, opening more routes kind of hurt you because it's like this rainbow system in the game where you can collect rainbow orbs. And as you collect those rainbow orbs, um, I actually can't remember. I haven't collected a full rainbow in so long because <laughs> the, um, the, the, the larger you expand the map, the more they, more places they can spawn. And you can look at them on the map itself. If like op open the start menu, go to your world map and look around for all of them but that just that's cumbersome i'm there to exercise i'm, I'm there to move and like they're like so i'm just i don't even really bother to go search for them i wish they were already on the map or if you could pull up like a map while you're walking or something like that so a lot of little things that just i think i think really could have been improved and it would have been nice if it was like a walk it out too that happened because i think the core concept is actually very strong very strong and very good personally. Um, so, you know, I, I do think there's a lot to love about walk it out. I think if I do talk about the game, I'll generally come off positively, but I think that's a, been a frustration I've had recently is just trying to find the way I can have the most impact on this game. And I, and I think the reality is will be, I will have to lower the credit count for a lot of, um, um, you know, items and things like that to build in the game because it, it just takes so long and it feels like barely anything's happening most of the time, unfortunately. So, but again, the core walking rhythm, walking to music is great. Um, and I'm slowly expanding my soundtrack. There's 150 songs in the game, but you only have access to, I think about like 10 or 15 of them at the start. So, and you can't, you, like when you collect discs, you don't collect one disc. They're like five parts of one disc. So it, it takes a lot to, to get those songs. So anyways, walk it out, still playing that. We're probably gonna be playing it for a long time. I think we'll probably not talk about it much going forward. I think those are probably my general thoughts about walk it out. Um, I'm guessing, I'm going to guess not much is going to change between now and whenever I do a video for it. So, um, very exciting. 
Um, I also played some Kaminazo this week. Hey, Kaminazo time. It happened. Um, I recorded it. I, I, I have it going up on Patreon at some point. I forget when it's going up, but at some point uh, there will be... Oh, I think it's the same day as the Buddy Mission Bond uh, Blu-ray set. Because I, I, I don't want to just put out free Buddy Mission or free Patreon content without giving something back to the people who join the Patreon. So if I put something out for free, I try to, you know, do an extra bit of combat or content to kind of help replace it, hopefully, or help, you know, be like, hey, there's value here, um, you know, for that kind of thing. So, so I think that comes out that day. I, I'm not 100% sure on that, but I believe that's that. And uh, yeah, I played through like the first stages of Kaminazo, ran into a problem where my microphone died in the middle of it, um, well, towards the end of it. So I did have a little moment where I had to get on, on a microphone afterwards and be like, hey, hey, guys, my microphone died. Let me tell you about what I was doing and how I was doing and what I was thinking. Because, like, you can't recapture... Like, obviously, I, I kind of had to relearn everything from not playing Kaminazo for, like, three to four years or however long it's been since we tried to do the stream, and I was very unhappy with the stream. Um, but uh, it... You know, I can't just redo those puzzles and then, like, you know acts like they're new or something like that right so so i i just explained what my thought process was and recorded over it that's for the best i think and, and if, that, if we have any problems with that going forward we will unfortunately it's just that microphone i haven't replaced it with a different microphone i don't know if it makes sense to replace it with another microphone i probably should i think what would happen is i would place this microphone on my desk um and then um put this one over there the the big issue is is that like i probably would want to buy a nicer microphone probably and um and that would be a lot of money uh but i have money for buddy mission bond cups but a microphone new microphone no way man <laughs> so so yeah i think that will be what will end up happening is that at some point i will have to replace this microphone here in front of me that you cannot see on the youtube video but it's like just under here like oh it's like right there like i'm barely hovering over it with my hand on the youtube anyways so um so yeah i played kaminazo um, I, I guess I should say that's the paper folding puzzle game. If you don't know what that is for the Switch, I love it. I really want to do a video for it at some point. It's just playing in a stream fashion was not the greatest uh, uh, thing. But very cute story, great art style, um, and just a cute concept of you like having a workbook that you essentially use while you are playing the game. And it's in English, too, I should say. It's only on the Japanese eShop, but it's in English. Is the English amazing? No, but it, it gets the job done, the translation, so... So, yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it in terms of playing. That is not Xenoblade. Um, I did have a couple of projects I worked on uh, last week, and I believe after the podcast. I hope so. I, ho I hope I didn't talk about this. Um, I submitted two panels last week. Um, I submitted one to Sin City Anime here in, uh, I believe it's a... Uh, I think it's October here. I don't remember the dates. Uh, I'll link the, the the information for Sin City Anime in the description of the uh, podcast notes and everything. But uh, Sin City Anime, I have one coming in October. I'm going to do a presentation there. The intention of that presentation is to talk about buying Dojin goods and independent artist works online. You know, walking people through some general stuff about, you know, shipping from Japan when you're, you know, using a, a, a source that's like a domestic um, you know, chipper. So, you know, people who only ship within Japan using a proxy service. Again, high level stuff on that regard. Um, but then going to talk a little bit about the different avenues, you know, going through Japanese retailers, going through, you know, things like Booth, going through resellers. Generally, I really want to focus on things like Booth and Alice Books, things like that, where somebody's directly listing their product and getting the, the, the money for it. Um, you know, I, I don't really like, I don't know. I feel like for me, at least, when it comes to what I like about buying fan-made goods is, you know, a part of it is is 
feeling like you're supporting somebody who's doing what they love with that kind of stuff. And, um, and you get like a cool thing out of doing it. Right. Um, and so I, I really, um, I, I really want to focus on that aspect of it. I don't really want to, you know, talk too much about like secondary sellers. I think I will touch on it because I think it would be good for me to do that. But yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, so a couple things I want to talk about in there as well is using like uh, virtual convention services. So things like Picked Square that we talked about with uh, a token doll before. It's like the kind of the RPG maker kind of like booth explorer thing. Um, but then there's also um, VCAT that's coming up here shortly. And I can't remember. I think VCAT has like a Dojin section where you can just go and look at books. I don't think it's all like VR specific things. So I, I, it's been a while since I've done a VCAT. So I might go look at that and see if that it will have anything that's worth worth mentioning uh about because that is probably one of the more engaging ways to do like a virtual convention um if you can kind of go walk around and you know um you know click on things and, and bring up you know th those pages and things like that I, I remember one i went to had like just booth like uh with like books on it you could open it up it would open a link you go look at their page and just like you know purchase it from booth or or pick square or something like that um, so that's happening in August, August 13th to August 28th. So I got to try to remember to do that. I mean, that's not too far away, but you know how I am. I will move on to something else and forget. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, I need to look into that thing. And it's like September and it's like, oh, I missed it. <laughs> so, um, and it'd be good to record it as well. I think just to have some footage of that. Um, side note here, I just thought this was interesting since I was looking around at news online. Looks like there's a Valkyria Chronicle art gallery that's going to happen between uh, July 31st. Uh, so, you know, essentially the day I'm recording this, so yesterday, um, and uh, September uh, 4th. Uh, I believe it's a in-person one. Um, it, the website is called uh, Belle Palette. Again, I'll link these in the description for you. Um, and so they're selling stuff, but they're also selling stuff on um, Booth as well. So you can buy some Valkyria Chronicles art over Booth. So if you do know how to buy um, through Booth, Booth has like Bayi integration as well. So if you have Bayi set up and all that stuff, um, you should be able to get through it pretty easily. Um, I, I personally... You know, I, I like Valkyrie Chronicles a lot, um, and I like the game, how the games look generally, um, unless we're talking about, like, Vice or something like that, or maybe, like, a very distinct character that I like, like, like Noel from Valkyrie Chronicles 2, or what is his name, Hel Helmet or something like that. Uh, like, there's some characters that I would be like, oh, man, I gotta get them, but because it's like... When am I ever going to be able to buy a Noel piece of art, right? <laughs> um, anyways, um, but uh, it, it is the artist mainly who does those, um, I guess you'd call, I don't know if hypersexualized is the right word, but like the very skinny, lanky, curvy, um, like Salvaria art. And then a bunch of other art for a bunch of other Valkyrie characters. I think, I don't know, I don't think any of that arts have ever, like, officially shown up in any games themselves. Like, if you look at that Savelia, Savaria art versus, like, her in-game model, proportions are very, very different. Um, so, so if you're into that, you know, you can buy that through there. I personally, I, I don't really like the look of it. It looks really weird to me, um, like, just, like, how the skin is and things like that. It looks almost like kind of like almost like really slick oily and like and like almost alien to some degree sometimes like when you really start tweaking a character that much it, it can come off as a little weird in my opinion so hey you know it's art though right everybody likes their own thing i love people in in anime manga who have like bags under their eyes i'm like yes i love that so so you know you never know you never know what what people are gonna like so but it's there for you if you want to do it i just want to let you know um valkyrie chronicles is very cool uh, recently, I, I forget who mentioned it. Somebody was talking to me about Media Vision, and I was like, the, 
what is Media Vision doing? I went to their website. They still have like 150 people. They haven't announced a game since 2018, since Valkyrie Chronicles 4 came out in 2018. And I'm just like, what are they doing? What's going on over there? <laughs> um, I'm sure they're working on their mobile game still. That's that's probably what they're doing. Um, but, you know, I'm curious. I'm really curious what they're doing. So, anyways, we'll see. I'm very excited for whatever they end up doing next. But rea- reality is, is that there's many, many, many media vision games that I could play if I really wanted to kind of thing. Um, there's an immense backlog. And I think there's a lot of things I'd be interested in. You know, Chaos Rings, Wild Arms getting uh, into the kind of Valkyrie, well, Valkyrie Chronicles 3, I need to do that at some point, um, but then also like the Shining spinoffs for Valkyrie Chronicles, using the Valkyrie Chronicles engine and things like that. A lot of really interesting Media Vision stuff out there that I, I would love to check out. Um, so honestly, to some extent, those big gaps in releases helps me a lot because it means I can, you know, don't fall behind, you know, super, super quick on these kind of things. Um, Gunvolt 3 came out and I'm just like, I just... I just can't justify Gunvolt 3 right now. I, 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 I could, and I will. And I will get Gunvolt 3 at some point physically and get that shipped to me. But like with, with uh, X2, I just don't really feel... I just feel like I need to play through X2 at some point, And I don't know when X2 is going to fall on my timeline. That's the thing. It's like, it is a vague idea. I don't really mind Blaster Master Zero so much. I feel guilty about buying Blaster Master Trilogy um, to some extent, just because I'm like, I don't really know what this is going to fall within my range. I feel like most of me buying Blaster Master Trilogy came from the limited run games kind of fear of missing out kind of thing. And then in some ways, I don't know if spite is the right word, but maybe frustration buying the Japanese collection because A, it was a better collection and then B, it has all three on one cart. And then the, like the, the, the Lunar Run Games one was like, oh, we'll ship you the third one in like a year. And it's like, I'm good. Thank you. I think I gave it off to a friend. So they have my Lunar Run Games copies and you know, I have the trilogy. I'm happy with what I got. Very cool. Very fine. Good times. Gunvolt. Love you, baby. I'll get back to you. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Oh, that was... I forgot. Um, also, the other panel. I forgot we were talking about panels. Um, I had too many, like, side side uh, uh, notes here. Uh, I also submitted a panel to KomoriCon in Oregon. Uh, that's in November. So, again, details will be in the... Um, what's it called? Uh, it should be noted, I have not been accepted to either of these yet. So, do not plan to go to them if you're like, I'm going to go see Ben do a panel because I don't know if I'm actually doing a panel yet. So, don't, don't, you know, plan to do that. Um, but I, I am, uh, submitting that one. It's going to be, or the, the KomoriCom one is going to be a panel version of my, um, my video that I did about collecting on a budget. And really, really more importantly about that panel is keeping a positive mindset while collecting games and buying games and trying to, you know, try to focus on things that you like and 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 identify where you can find those things and explore. You know, there's a video about it. I have a video about it. Go watch that if you're really curious right now. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm going to try to expand on some sections a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more about why I specifically shop with Japan Retro Direct, because I feel like that's something I don't really convey super often. Like, what are the specific things about Japan Retro Direct store that I really like um, you know, besides the fact that I know Vink, you know, um, but like, you know, I, I know Vink mainly through buying through him. So there's a reason I kept coming back to him. Right. Um, so, so yeah. Um, so that is what the plan for that will be pretty straightforward. I just wanted to make sure that I was not like, especially cause these are going to be pretty close to each other. I didn't want to overcommit on like trying to create fresh panels. So hopefully repurposing a video into a panel will help with that a bit. 
couple of news stories here before we get into the Patreon, um, and then before we go into Xenoland. Um, so D3 announced a new project. I feel like it's been a long time since we've really heard that much about D3, like, console games. I could be wrong, but I feel like we don't hear nearly as much for that stuff anymore. I guess EDF is still happening, right? Um, anyways, but uh, they announced a new game. Uh, they have not fully revealed the name yet. It is basically blank maiden they started it all out so blank maiden actually they're running a contest right now where if you guess the game's name i think it's like seven people get like 75 dollar gift cards to some store or whatever it is so that's kind of a fun cute thing um they haven't really shown much about this there's like a trailer that they show but it largely is just a lady standing on like a japanese style bridge um and she's got a schoolgirl uniform on she's holding a samurai sword there's some like little embellishments on her schoolgirl outfit with like you know little cherry blossoms and things like that on it and uh they said it's going to be a ground-breaking Bishoujo game. So we'll see about that. I would not really connect groundbreaking with anything D3 does, um, but it is a nice-looking game from the uh, assets they showed. You know, I would not necessarily say D3 um, has amazing-looking games, but this game looked pretty good so far from what they showed. So we'll see. I'm going to guess. Um, I don't know. It might, I would imagine, like, if it's a near-term game, I'd imagine it's probably also on PS4, but maybe if it's a long-term game, maybe it might be next-gen exclusive. I think we're finally starting to creep up on that window of like, hey, some things just might not come out on the last generation of consoles. So anyways, not much to say about it. They also had like some acronym at the end. I forget it was like J J F F F K or something like that. I don't know. I don't remember what it was. It, it didn't seem that important, but you know, if you're trying to guess the name, maybe it will be important. Look, win your $75 gift card. I assume you have to be a resident of Japan to do that. Use your proxy service. I don't know. Um, last week, we talked about Massage Freaks and how that game got uh, pushed back a bit because of issues with, um, A, there was kind of a, some online kickback uh, based on the erotic nature of it being like a sexually kind of suggestive massage game. Lots of like panty and underwear shots. Surprisingly, only had like a teen rating in the US, but didn't come out yet. Um, but the bigger issue it seemed like was probably that the characters in the game had the same first names as characters in like an idol or people in an idol group. And the coincidences were just too direct. So nobody really knew, um, you know, or so it wasn't really like a question. So they went, admitted it, changed all, or, or at least recognized the similarities and uh, updated those. And um, But they, they have said essentially that it is uh, delayed indefinitely for now. Um, so we'll see. I, I had thought that the Dual Princess game had come back out on Switch, but I was reading around online. It seems like maybe Dual Princess did not. I did not go verify that on my Switch itself. I saw mixed reporting on it, but it seems like generally people were like, hey, Dual Princesses, you still can't buy it on Switch. You have to buy it on DL site. So I'm really curious if it'll just end up on DL site. Um, I have no idea how much of that audience, you know, is willing to jump over that gap and go to DL site. Imagine you're, if you're doing DL site, you're going to be doing a very core audience for that, right? Um, so very, very limited number of people who are distributing. Well, there's a lot of people distributing there, but I don't know how many people are shopping there for like actual video games much. So anyways, we'll see, um, see how it kind of comes back up, but we'll see what happens. Um, there was something kind of crazy that happened this week. Um, I was skeptical and then at some point was like, ah, maybe it's real. Um, so near. There's a video game called Nier. I like Nier a lot. And then there was a sequel that came out called Nier Automata. And they're, they're directed by Yoko Taro. And Yoko Taro kind of likes to, you know, mess with the, its fans a lot. Um, you know, lots of reasons, lots of ways they do that in the game, out of the game, things like that. Um, he's a he's kind of a funny guy, at least, you know, when it comes to his, you know, um, internet 
celebrity personality kind of thing. Um, I, and I think I've genuinely heard that people who have like actually worked with him, like think he's a very, very um, charming man at the very least, but Hey, I, you never know. You don't, do not idolize people because we're all human and we all have our own problems. Right. Um, <laughs> anyways. So uh, there is this video that went up that was basically um, a video of somebody accessing a secret door in uh in the near automata um and there are some claims are like oh it's a secret that's been there since the beginning of since the game came out and just nobody had found it until now um and then there is claims that it's like is a modder but then there are people were like that were like oh well the modding like is not in this way is not possible yet for the pc version and then there was just the thing of just like hey um maybe they updated the game um, but, and they added it in, but the thing is, is that like, it, like, I don't think there's any updates pushed to near is, is my understanding. And people were like, well, if you play the 1.0 unupdated version on PS4, you can access this room or whatever, but like none of it was coming together. And, and, and so I initially started with like, it's a mod, but then I saw some people link me some things like, here's the modding community saying this is not possible. So I was like, okay, Probably if it's if it's not that I don't I don't think it was there from the beginning of the the, the, the release and then also I it could be that it's like you know Square Enix doing a Square Enix thing doing something weird teasing whatever they they were using models from near replicant supposedly based off what I was reading online things like that a lot of other stuff kind of showed up later on down the line and then at some point basically people figured out hey, this is a modder who did this to announce basically that we can mod the game this way. Um, I did make, in, in the meantime for this, I did, like, it did get my brain juices flowing when it came to Automata. I was like, one thing that I've always worried about with Automata is just like, I, I don't want to make a video about it because I'm just going to worry I'm going to trash on it again and that's not going to do anyone any good. It feels like beating a dead horse. I've said my thoughts and opinions on near. Uh, Automata five years ago. I don't need to sit there and keep saying it over and over again. I say it on streams all the time, podcasts all the time. If you've been listening for a long time, you know I don't have great feelings about Nier Automata for a lot of reasons. Um, you might be surprised if you have only watched my Nier video that I put out. <laughs> but but um, anyway, so I was like, but I don't want to like revisit that and like represent that opinion as a new opinion. So for Patreon, I went and recorded a um, uh, article reading of my old review of uh, Nier Automata. And I went through that, kind of dissected that review a bit, talked a little bit about, you know, what I think was valid, what I think was invalid, some things that I did in that review that I think was questionable. Um, I, I understand why I did it, but I don't think it was like the best way to approach reviewing that game in some ways. And I think in the end, I realized, you know, my opinion largely was unchanged. I think the way I presented it was kind of bad. Um, that might give you an argument that I might want to make something new that does a better job of presenting it. But again, it just would feel like beating a dead horse. So anyway, so that's going up um, at some point. I'm not sure when that was. I think it's coming up after the Kaminaza one. So I think if Kaminaza is next week, then I think two weeks after that, that thing's going up. Um, I do re reference the the thing happening in there, but again, it ended up being a mod community thing. So even though I reference it as like, hey, this thing's happening right now, who knows? Um, it is It is not a real thing that is, or at least... At least it seems like it's not a real thing. Maybe Yoko Taro is the modder. <laughs> um, you know, and I, and I think the thing is, I had a couple of people link it to me, like asking like, hey, look at this. Look, it's really cool, right? And I'm like, that's that's cool. Yeah, I'm like, hey, I'm glad you're like excited. Um, I'm not going to really be interested, I think, until I see some gameplay. I, th I think that's my general feeling on most games now is like, unless you're announcing something that's like Phantom Dust 2. I always come back to Phantom Dust 2. If you're announcing Phantom, Phantom Dust 2, Holy shit, especially like stage show. I cursed again. I did it again. I do it all the time. I don't know what's going on. Anyways, Phantom Dust 2 on the Xbox, when they had that on stage, like, hey guys, 
we're launching a console. Also, here's a trailer for Phantom Dust 2. Let's talk about it. That was like mind blowing to me. I at no point ever expected Phantom Dust 2 to show up on a Xbox stage presented as a main title for a next generation system. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, like that. It's funny because that was probably the, the E3 everybody hated because I believe that was like the, like, you know, we, we, we you need the internet connected device only, but that's probably my favorite E3 press conference just because of Phantom Dust 2. Because most video games that get announced, I kind of expect it. Nier Automata, I will say, I was not expecting. I was not expecting that to happen. So that was exciting as well. Um, but Phantom Dust 2. Oh. Whole other league. Disaster Day of Crisis 2? Whole other league. <laughs> anyways, so so I forgot what I was getting on to with that. But anyway, so that near Patreon thing, um, that's happening. Hey, Patreon people, do you know if you donate at the $5 level, you can get bonus content? People like Jillian, people like Paul Daniel, people like Discreet. And we have a new Patreon person this week, Henry Dagger. Henry Dagger is joining us in the Patreon group. Thank you so much, Henry, for your donation. Henry, what do you win from... <laughs> Sorry, very personalized announcement. <laughs> what do you win? Um, there's bonus videos if you donate the $5 level. The things I mentioned before, the near article rating, the Kaminazo playthrough. I, like I said, I'm going to get to Kaminazo as like a video at some point, but the reality is, is that I need a weird capture setup for that, and I might as well record myself playing it. I don't know what that's going to look like yet, so I can't tell you the full details. The first one is more or less a raw recording. Later on, ones may be edited pretty heavily, depending on, you know, how many gaps in time I have um, and the, uh, you know, the, the time I have to think. My brain power has to turn on and then I have to let it process information. Um, and then also there's the GBA AC adapter video that went out there. So if you want to check that out. Um, I need to do more behind the scenes stuff. I was recently digging through old files, found a lot of old stuff that, you know, is it interesting? I don't know, but it's something that I did forever ago and never published. So if you were like looking for new unique content or old unique content, old new, old new, new old stock content, <laughs> um, it is there, um, or it's not there yet. I need to figure, I need to upload it and do, but I need to figure out what that's going to look like. If it's going to be part of the two week rollout or if it's going to be some other thing. So um, let me know if you have any thoughts about that. Um, one thing I will note real quick at the Patreon level. So usually, you know, we have this whole headache of, by the way, you can ask a question at the $3 level, but also you can ask a question at the $5 level. Um, nobody's at the $3 level. You know, in, in some ways with inflation, the $5 level is basically the $3 level now, right? <laughs> um, um, so basically what I decided to do is nobody was in it. So I, I it's not dead but i hit it so you can't like subscribe at that level i just can't think of many things i want to put at that level and asking a patreon question for three dollars a month i don't know so anyways so uh, if, if you were like hey ben i would love to donate at a lower price let me know i'd be happy to to try to accommodate you let me know what you want but i think right now everyone's on the five dollar level i think i'm just gonna stick with the five dollar level makes the messaging pretty easy makes it so i can just put pump content out directly to you without having to worry about who gets what and things like that so anyways so now Five dollar level people, you can ask or you can ask questions. I can speak words. You can ask questions like Jillian does, like Jillian has, like Jillian does for us every week, thankfully. Or else we would be looking at level skip questions, asking about who was your favorite girlfriend in video games. Uh, that's a great question. Who is who is my favorite romantic interest in a video game? 
Oh man, I really like. We'll, we'll we'll keep it even, boy and girl. I know this is not the question. This is Ben asked a Patreon question. Um, I love Agnum from Shining Resonance. I love that boy. He's very uh, hot headed. I like delinquent guys. We'll get into that with Xenoblade Chronicles uh, three. I like delinquent guys. Agnum, fiery guitar man, very much a nice man. I liked him. Um, he's a good cook. He's a nice guy. It's a shame that you can't get a real ending with Agnum because you're both guys, so you're not technically dating each other. Um, and then for ladies, uh, it's like we could do like first kiss story with like Yaoi, Yaoi, I think her name was. Um, we could do something like that. Um, I did like, if we went like way back, I did really like Lily in Katawa Shoujo. I thought that was like a really good portrayal of like a, how like, you can use sex in a story to kind of change how a character um, behaves after that. Cause like after like, cause it's an erotic game. Right. Um, and, and so like after you, you know, essentially sleep with Lily, um, she gets significantly more confident about, <laughs> um, you know, uh, physical intimacy with you. So it's like, it's kind of interesting turn in the story um, with, with that a little bit. So I kind of like that a lot. Um, so anyone's, I can't like there's no like real standout just like oh man that was great I maybe eventually I'll figure something out but yeah we'll we'll stick with uh we'll stick with Lily for now classic a classic at this point it's like 12 years since Katawa Shoujo came out if not longer um okay Jillian I'm sorry to keep you waiting <laughs> did you ever play games with your siblings um is the question um and yeah uh, I have one uh sister that I grew up with um I do have two step siblings as well but we didn't really grow up that much together and and none of them were really super into video games even today um we kind of have like a, a loose relationship for the most part um they, you know uh, my my stepbrother gets into like call of duty and uh, maybe not call of duty so much like overwatch he gets into like most of the modern shooters right he gets into most of that stuff um you know that kind of realm he also gets into some other things here and there but anyways um but my sister and her friends and things like that we would mostly play um, nintendo 64 is my first home console that i owned so we mostly played that um you know mario kart 64 the usual smash brothers uh, if you want a weird one eggie's wrecking ball i mean that's still kind of a thing but eggie's wrecking ball was a big one chameleon twist was another big one as well that we played growing up um blast corpse although i did not like blast core i said corpse core um they did not like blast cores as such uh but like even after that like in the gamecube era did not play nearly as much stuff together you know we got older the bigger thing during the gamecube era for both of us i think is um you know we we were really starting to get online spending a lot of time online um and so there's a lot of ways that manifested, you know, through different forms and things like that. Um, but uh, we both got into Fancy Star Online and played that. However, we only had one subscription and one GameCube at the time. Eventually, we got two GameCubes. Um, and um, uh, it caused some problems. <laughs> Um, there was some fighting over who would be on, you know, my sister would just go on there and treat it like a, a chat, you know, there's some gameplay elements, but she mostly just treated it like a chat, and then I would go on and, you know, play games, but also chat kind of thing, right, I think she played games too, but, but most of the time if I went in there, she was just sitting there chatting with somebody, um, and using, like, we had the GameCube keyboard controller, the ASCII one, I still have it back somewhere, I'm not gonna go grab it though, because I'm lazy, <laughs> but we had that, and, uh, and so, yeah, so we played a lot of PSO, just not together per se, but it was a, it's a conflict 
Final Fantasy XI was not so bad. We did have some minor conflicts, but I was the one who was really into Final Fantasy XI in terms of like hardcore playing through content. You know, um, you know, my sister played it a lot. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, we're we're talking like old Final Fantasy XI, right? So this it is not like. I think she got to like level 45, 50 ish around the time. She got it to the point that she had like Ocoats, Scorpion Harness, things like that. So I don't think she ever got to 75, but she got pretty high up there, right? And you know, uh, around the time she got like Ocoats and Scorpion Harness, I think it was like Argon where leveling was a very different thing. But um, even Chains of Promathia, a very different thing. Sorry, all this garbage for you people who haven't played Final Fantasy XI. Um, but yeah, so she spent a lot of time playing Final Fantasy XI because like if you were to level in Final Fantasy XI, it was not a minor task. It was like, you're going to spend a day, if not multiple days at some point, you know, to get a level. And she did that. Um, she, she, she participated in that. So again, we never really were able to play Final Fantasy XI together, but both PSO and Final Fantasy XI were common touch points. Final Fantasy XI, I think more so because, um, I think she played a lot more XI as a whole. So, um, yeah. There's some answers. It's, hopefully there's some good ones. There's some drama around some of it as well. Um, you know, there there are some rough moments in our relationship because of fighting over who would play PSO or who would play Final 11. Mom, it's my turn to play the Xbox kind of thing, right? Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, there you go. Thank you, Jillian, for your question. Again, thank you for everybody who subscribes to the Patreon. Again, thank you again to Henry Dagger for your new, new found home role in my life, I guess. Um, um, so again, $5 to those bonus videos. If you want to ask a question, um, the post goes up on Monday on the Patreon. I basically do it like in the afternoon, like at 3 p.m. Pacific time. Um, I just go ahead, Jillian provides a list of questions, so I just insert her question in there automatically. But if you want to ask a question, um, I'm pretty sure Jillian would be okay if anyone asking a question, I replace it for that week or whatever, right? So, so I'm looking for more questions. So if you're part of the Patreon, definitely, you know, send something in. I always love variety of questions. It's fun. So, um, let me know. All right. So you're here, you're there. Xenoblade has come. Are you sticking around? I'm asking you that question right now. That's a decision you need to make in your life. Um, so let me just say before before you go, if you're not going to listen to the Xenoblade talk, we're going to talk more. Just my impressions, by the way. There's some news stories around Xenoblade as well, but you know, I, I don't think I need to really say much. I think that stuff hits most of the channels out there. But um, I, 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 again, I'm not going to go like super spoiler heavy. I'm like 10 hours into the game, so like I wouldn't be able to spoil that much anyways. But um, anyway, so Buddy Mission Bond video is coming out this week on Wednesday. So please again check that out. If you can, um, stream plans are a little weird. So, um, <laughs> I didn't get a chance to think about it or talk about it on stream because, uh, it's been raining and thundering like all week here in Las Vegas or a, a chunk of the week. Um, and my power went out at the end of the stream. Thankfully it was the end of the stream. We're like two to three, two, like we're almost three hours in and then power went out. So I was like, like, whatever, we'll just let it die for now. We, we didn't lose any progress really. I don't think or anything like that. But as much as I would like to finish One Piece right now, I think it's going to be realistically another three streams. I think that's probably what it's going to be. Um, maybe longer than that. So I think we will move on for now um, and we'll come back to that. I will be honest with you, I have not decided what this week's stream is going to be. So if you want to know, I'm going to try to post it on the YouTube comment and the Twitter as soon as I know what that's going to be this week. Um, so uh, if I can't think of anything... We will commit to Naple Tail. 
Napple Tale. Um, it's a 10 hour game. So it's a little longer than I'd like for like after coming off something as, as long and, and in some ways, you know, grueling as, you know, or as a, uh, one piece unlimited adventure. Um, so I would like to maybe put like something in between to kind of give us a little bit of buffer, but I got to figure out what that is still. Um, anyway, so there's that, uh, but still, you know, same time as always, 7 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday. We'll have that. Um, I've also, if you haven't been following the One Control Report Twitter, I've been trying to post about, um, uh, just to, like go, dig up stuff from my archive personal, pr- preferably if it's relevant to whatever's going on. So for the near video, I put that up again when, um, the, the conversation was, you know, circling around this church thing. Um, but you know, I'm trying to do more of that on, on days that I don't have anything posting and on Patreon, I'll be posting, um, or on, sorry, on YouTube, I'll be posting in the, uh, community section when Patreon videos go up on Patreon going forward, because I feel confident enough that I can start, um, advertising that stuff. And I will at some point here have a actual Patreon kind of advertising video go up, you know, uh, briefly, um, to, to advertise the two pieces of free video content I'm offering, the other pieces of audio content that are available. I actually, I probably won't advertise that. It, it is there, the old ad audio content, but I'm not really doing audio content anymore. So, um, I, it's free. The first set I made was free though for that when I was in the beta test of the Patreon, essentially. Um, so yeah. Anyways. Goodbye, my non-Xeno-eared friends. People who don't want to hear about Xenoblade Chronicles 3. So Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I think it might be worth me kind of taking a moment to um, roll back to Xenoblade Chronicles 2 a little bit. You know, if you've been listening to me for a while about Xenoblade Chronicles 3, you might be dreading what I'm going to say because of how I've been responsive to that game. I want to be very clear that I have a very... um, I'm very anxious about Marvel Soft games. I always worry about them um, when I see them um, for a lot of reasons, whether that's Xenoblade Chronicles 1 not getting localized or um, Xenoblade Chronicles X looking a little too much from the combat perspective like a Xenoblade Chronicles 1. Xenoblade Chronicles 2, you know, I think just the fact that it was Xenoblade Chronicles 2 in a lot of ways. Um, and I was just like, I kind of just want you to not do Xenoblade Chronicles now. Um, and, 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 and to some degree, Torna and Future Connected, all these games. Um... I have came in very um, concerned. Some games that concerned is justified. Xenoblade Chronicles X, I think there are a lot of things about that game that took me a very long time to accept. But eventually I got there and I do like Xenoblade Chronicles X now. Xenoblade Chronicles 2, um, thankfully, despite all that game's problems, that game is... packed with issues. I want to be clear. I don't, I do not understand why a lot of people can overlook them. I mean, I know I can overlook them. I'm very surprised most other people can overlook them. (laughs) But, but, um, you know, I think there are, um, I think it's a great game. It it is a game that sets itself apart from Xenoblade Chronicles 1, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. It's basically a new combat system, some ties and things like that here and there. Um, and then Torna and, 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 and Future Connected are kind of, I'd, I'd scale on like different levels because they are, you know, Torn is like a standalone expansion and the Future Connected is like barely a standalone expansion. It it is almost just like, hey, here's an extra area you can go to in a, uh, in this RPG that we have made. Um, um, But, you know, I think for what those things were doing, they they, they worked very well and, and it turned out pretty good. Um, so I just want to say that because like, I, I throw up a lot of flags about this stuff that usually don't amount to anything. Um, so, you know, 
if you haven't heard, my my feelings on Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is that I was very concerned about this game, not only because of the end of Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and what that game did to kind of dig its nails back into Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and not let it go in a way that felt very aggressive. Um, but also, um, you know, just some of the comments about like, hey, we can finally build our Xeno vision and things like that that we've been having for Xeno Gear, Xeno Saga, games that I kind of view as, you know, interesting pieces but maybe not the smartest implementations of their ideas and maybe the not maybe not the greatest like template to pursue i think i think they understand that they need to improve it right but i just don't yeah i i, I monolith is a company i think that can let their ambitions outrun them at times um but i also worry that like when they start trying to correct for that ambition and 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 we end up with like a xeno saga 3 um Xenoblade Chronicles 3, in, in the 10 hours I started, because, you know, I only did 10 hours, um, I think leans more in the safer camp. Um, it definitely is one of the best feeling and playing Xenoblade Chronicles games so far from what I've played when it comes to, you know, character movement, um, responsiveness to using arts and things like that. Um, the game feels very good to, 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 to play in that regard. It's not like Zimbabwe Chronicles 2 where everything's a little slower than you'd like. There's the three-hit combo system with different buff levels on each that kind of limits your movements. I mean, there's things that limit your movement in this game too, but it's not nearly as intense. Um, they've done things like, hey, make it so you can fight enemies in the water. Thank you. A lot of these really nice small improvements that improve the experience, at least through the 10 hours of the game I've played so far. No skill checks so far, thankfully. Thank God that get part of the game. Um, so far, no gotcha system for getting new companions. I think it's all through like side quests and main quest stuff. Um, so, so that's been very good. Um, the problem I think at the moment is I think in some ways, you know, this game is supposed to be a combination of Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2, right? That, that's what they're pitching this game as. And they, they do some smart ideas with that, like with how certain characters um, do recovery during like their art recovery, things like that, things like that. But it's so minor that you like don't even really notice it. It's like, it's more of a window dressing than it is an actual thing that matters, um, at least on like a casual level. I, I'm sure at the like more hardcore level, there's a whole other thing with how arts recover and things like that and what what's better versus others. But um but uh, yeah, so it's like this weird combination of Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2 in a lot of ways. But when you talk about the gameplay mechanics, it feels closer to Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but with the combo system kind of, so far, dumbed down. So Xenoblade Chronicles 2 had like a elemental combo system. You could put multiple elements together to do like a, a explosive attack. And then in addition to that, you could also do things like the break topple launch system that's been in the Xeno franchise since, you know. Saga 2, I think, uh, if not Saga 2, you know, Saga 3, um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of familiar elements here that reach back, and you can find kind of the home and original place for these and things like that, um, and that's kind of, some of these things are, like, always true, um, I think the biggest problem I'm having right now, at least, again, 10 hours in, is I'm having trouble finding how these pieces fit together in a way that lets you have, that satisfying moment I feel like that model of soft games have where everything kind of just comes together and you hit the enemy with basically everything you got like a level three combo with a you know launch or whatever or I forget if smash ends the invulnerability or if that that is a state as well but at the very least launch 
you know, and then like with Baton Kaitos, like elemental, like parts, like lining up perfectly with the enemy weakness and the numbers like working out just right. You have this big bombastic moment of damage. Um, and, and, and to some games have that to a lesser degree and things like that. And, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 has that, um, so far in the 10 hours, but it's the chain system. And the chain system's great. Don't get me wrong. I like the chain system. It's all right. This game is a little more accessible with it because I think it doesn't, like, if you revive your allies, I don't think it drains your chain meter or anything like that, which is one of the things that were kind of the trade-off in the previous games. But it's the chain system. <laughs> like, it is the one that's been in Xenoblade Chronicles, you know, from the start with some slight changes to how, you know, certain elements combine with each other, right? And and it just is kind of like, okay, like this is here, you know, you can use, you can activate this during a launch and do a lot more damage and things like that. Um, but I just, I'm, I'm having trouble finding the thing that makes this game stand out to me. Like what makes Xenoblade Chronicles 3's combat stand out? Um, and I think there's two things that show promise. Um, one is the cross class system. Essentially, when you play the game, you can switch classes and through that you can like learn the other classes skills certain ones i don't think you can learn all of them at least that's my understanding and so you can use those in combination with um or once you've learned them that you can basically equip them to like a secondary set of uh, palettes you have that are aren't nearly as like like accessible from the start like they don't i think they start with like zero cooldown you might get something that buffs that later but they start with like zero cooldown so they have to wait for them so they're not just like immediately available at the start um but, uh, so, so you can basically combo some skills, uh, or some uh, arts. You also have some skills that you can put on for like different buffs and things like that from the cross class stuff. Um, it looks cool. And then also it seems like there's a lot of things to, a lot of classes to probably get. I think you get, you, you can share classes between all your current party members, but then also you have, um, like these hero characters that get added to your party and can learn their classes as well. Um, so I haven't really messed with that part. And I, I only recently got a new class for Noah specifically. So I, I need to, when I boot that game up, definitely gonna be playing with that because I, I think it should be mentioning that a lot of the move sets in the game at the moment are move sets from Xenoblade Chronicles 2, you know, with the hammer, or the, the, the little chark chakrams or whatever. Like there are a lot of the same moves. So, so it's not that interesting. Like the, the core mechanics of Xenoblade Chronicles 2. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of the frustration, I think, because like one thing that like, Xenoblade Chronicles X has over Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is it had the overdrive system, um, or over the original Xenoblade Chronicles had the overdrive system, uh, it, it introduced mechs in a very, uh, specific way. Um, I think the mechs are less interesting from a combat perspective and more from a world design exploring perspective, honestly. Um, and then also the world design was completely different and the storytelling was completely different. So there's, there's a lot of things about Xenoblade Chronicles X to respect. And if you just look at it at the core, like battle system, which I usually do with Monosoft games is the first thing I look at is like, what does that UI look like? How much of this UI can, can I read? Because if I can read this UI, it's already a problem. <laughs> if I, if it's like a trailer for a game, like I need that UI to be some messed up garbage that I got to learn when I start the game, because then it's probably not what I'm expecting. Right. Um, so, but yeah, it's just, so the core elements of this game feel very heavily based on Xenoblade Chronicles 2 um, and Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, original Xenoblade Chronicles to some extent, but I mean, in the same way that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was leaning on Xenoblade Chronicles, I feel like. Um, so I, I think that's the challenge I'm having. So the class system that I mentioned, um, the other thing is that you have the interlink system where essentially you can combine two characters to make a, I think they're called Ouroboros, um, and uh, they are essentially the mechs of this game. 
Um, like I said earlier, I don't think mech combat in Xeno games is particularly special in some, in most cases. Usually what ends up happening in them is like there's a fuel gauge and then that fuel you expend for certain moves. Sometimes, you know, you act faster than with, when acting on foot. Usually the attack radius is larger. Like, like it is big attacks for big costs and like it's a limited resource kind of thing and once your mech's out of fuel you gotta either go fill it back up for some money if it if, in the case of Chronicles x if it breaks you have to go repair it um and things like that so so there's there's stuff going on there um at the moment for ouroboros and i i don't have I, I don't know of a way to level up my ouroboros in terms of like there's like a level zero to level three i think um, meter that shows up beside them that I have not gotten. So it's a mechanic I've not gotten in the game. Um, but, uh, it, it feels very much like a mech uh, experience. And, and I think mech experiences on their own aren't interesting as, you know, games personally, like, I think they're fine. And then, so, th- th- so what I, what I'm looking at as like, as I'm like in- exiting the tutorial funnel, as farmers aware, I think it's like 10 hours of tutorials, what I heard. And then you kind of have access to everything from there. Um, and I'm, I'm around the 10 hour mark. So I'm, I'm basically there, but you know, maybe reviewers are wrong. Maybe I'm taking my time more than somebody else um, as well. Um, but like I'm looking at the end of this tunnel the mechanics and everything that's on screen and I'm having trouble finding like where these pieces connect to have the bombastic hit, the payoff hit. Um, I don't feel like I have that. Um, again, chain attacks, but chain attacks have always been around. Well, since Xenoblade, at least. Um, so I'm really struggling with that part of the game. I'm enjoying this game. It is, I mean, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is a great combat system. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I just feel like it's Xenoblade Chronicles 2 with a core mechanic taken out. And then nothing has come back in yet to replace that. Um, except for the mechs. Again, I don't think the mechs are interesting, though. So far, at least. Um, I think there's the, also going to be the ability to do chain attacks with Ouroboros. I don't really know how that works yet. Um, so that's kind of maybe the other thing there, but yeah, so I'm a little underwhelmed from a gameplay perspective. Um, worldwide, it feels like a Xenoblade Chronicles world. Um, I know there are talent out there that like, oh, it's like five times bigger than Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like that doesn't really mean that much, you know, given the scale of all these games and also Xenoblade Chronicles X, um, and how that game was, um, it feels like a Xenoblade Chronicles game, but a little bit wider, I feel like generally, um, uh, there's definitely more space to explore around. Um, I think the level design is good in terms of like pathing though. That's the thing that Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I think really had issues with, you know, there, there, there is the, the complaint about like, Hey, the wayfinding system in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is a mess, but like putting that aside, put the wayfinding stuff aside, which this game has a good wayfinding system. Um, I think what makes a good Xenoblade Chronicles area is that it draws you through the area through different like routes and paths and those routes and paths take you by landmarks and that natural progression you have through these sections of the map and kind of like wrapping around in different ways and finding different things I think is important it's one of those things that I don't think really gets talked about that much with this with this game a lot um, I think it's been there since Xenoblade Chronicles 1 I think it was missing in Xenoblade Chronicles X for lots of good reasons because of that how that game was designed I feel like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was missing it too I think that was part of what made that world structure so hard to deal with 
Um, and then Torna had it back, and I think Torna did a great job with it. Um, and then I, I think to some extent, Bion is a shoulder, and like Future Connected just has the the, the benefit of being designed when the game was originally made, right? <laughs> so, so, so yeah, it has that that world structure and everything. Um, but yeah, so far, you know, I, I think the one thing that I might have complaint with, like moving around, is that there I think it's big enough that it makes sense to have like a faster movement option, which in Xenoblade Chronicles X you could dash or run um, and do these like really large jumps and things like that. Um, you also get like a mech to move around and things like that. So um, uh, I think I think by the end of this game, I want something to help me move around that world a little faster. You know, be able to jump a little bit higher, things like that. Because there's a lot of things in this world that I feel like is just it's it's just a little too high for you to jump on. You can make it work if you like glitch it out a little bit, but um, I'm having trouble like um, getting up certain little ledges and things like that that feel like I should be able to get up. I feel like I feel like this is probably the the most intense game when it comes to wall when slope is at a certain angle kind of thing. Um, but it, it's not so bad that it's like a problem really. Like it's noticeable, but it's like not like it doesn't really get in the way. Um, so world design I think is a little again. If you like Xenoblade Chronicles world design. I think it fits that that mold. Um, I just think it's not really, it's not really doing anything for me right now at this moment. Um, so that's that's been a problem for me. Um, it also so far, um, well, let me say one good thing about the world design. If you are a fan of Xenoblade Chronicles One and Xenoblade Chronicles Two, there are elements of the world that line up with those games. Um, so I think I think that's very cool. Um, and it's like a nice thing to be like, oh, there's that thing from Xenoblade Chronicles 1. And the game's actually kind of slight about it where it's like, we're not going to tell you the real name of this area. <laughs> like this thing here that's from that area, we've renamed this. This happened. This is technically a different world now. Um, so, so there's kind of like a nice, like kind of puzzle solving, figuring certain things out. There's like the ring that feels like the ring in Xenoblade Chronicles X, but I, oh, I have no idea if there's another ring that shows up in another Xenoblade game. I feel like maybe Xenoblade Chronicles 2 had like a giant ring that shows up you could walk on as well. And again, I don't think they've talked about Xenoblade Chronicles X being related to this. So that's kind of one nice thing, but yeah, it's just, I'm really tired of the Xenoblade Chronicles world design. I think it's, I think, I think it's great. Don't get me wrong. I think it's good. I just want them to try something new. I think the thing that I always kind of come back to with Xenoblade, Chron Xenoblade Chronicles games is I would like them to focus more on dungeons. Um, really make interesting little, like, dungeon areas you go into and you explore and do some neat things. I think every Xenoblade game has um, either failed to do this or they've attempted to do it and um, ran into problems because of how that game is designed. I think there's some great examples in Xenoblade Chronicles X specifically of this. Um, and so like returning to form to something that might be a little bit more of like taking the dungeons of like a Botan Kaitos or Xenosaga Xeno and kind of finding ways to fit those into the world, I think would, would make me happy, I think. Um, but that's, you know, that's just me trying to scrape at something to bring in. Ideally, I'd want something that would surprise me and be like, oh, this is a new way of traversing this world in like a really interesting way kind of thing. Um, so there's that world design aspect. And story-wise, you know, it's a little hard to say early on story-wise. You know, I do feel like it's a little too upfront with the Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 references. It doesn't ever really spell anything out, but like... You look at some characters, and if you even know some of those characters in those games, it's like, okay, this character has a relationship to this character from past game. Okay, this character has a relationship to this character from past game. Like, like most of them line up with somebody almost directly. It is almost not a question um, whether they actually, like, you know, deliver on that when, like, hey, person who looks like other character shows up and is like, 
we look the same kind of thing. Like, or, or, or we have elements that are similar between us, at least. I don't know if they're going to do that. I would prefer them not to. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think um, uh, it's a little, a little upfront with that. But otherwise, I think the story has been fine. You know, I think kind of the thing that I don't want to get too in the weeds about, because I think it doesn't really matter that much in RPGs, is um, the first two hours of your RPG. Um, I, I think, Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2 are generally okay at the start. They're kind of like more laid back. And I think that you're in a space to kind of learn more about these characters up front and, and kind of get a, a, a connection with them in a way. And Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I think, doesn't really give you that time. It's, you know, it's supposed to be a more serious story and it's focused on war and these characters who, who only know fighting kind of thing, right? Like that is their whole purpose for living and things like that. Um, and so you like start out in a battlefield, but I feel like the first like two hours of that game is just like, okay, you go from one big encounter thing to another big encounter thing to another big encounter thing. There's definitely things in between, but like, it feels like it's a lot of upfront choreographed, like anime, <laughs> like, like action scenes, stuff like that, which Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 have, or Xenoblade Chronicles X have, don't get me wrong, um, um, and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 definitely has it. That, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking they're taking from. It's like, oh, these were very popular in this game. Let's really go heavy-handed on them, especially towards the start. I think the game does go heavy-handed on them in general. Just a lot of action scenes with very over-the-top action. Um, but uh, I, I I think it leaves a, it makes it so it's a little hard to make a connection to a lot of the characters early on. Um, I, I still feel like there's a lot of characters where I just don't really, like 10 hours in, I'm just like, they feel like this one particular trope. That's what they feel like right now. There are 60, 50 to 60 hours of this video game left for me. There's plenty of time for that to change course. You know, first two hours of the game is whatever. First 10 hours of the game is kind of whatever to some degree. I know some people might disagree but about that. But yeah, so I just think a lot of people come up flat. But I do really like, uh, I think his name is Lance. Um, but I like delinquent kind of, you know, hot-headed dudes in games. So he kind of fits in my book of just like, I'm going to like you no matter what from the start. <laughs> Um, there's some characters that I definitely have, have grown on me a little bit more. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't know. It's one of those things that like is still really early on It's 10 hours in, um, story stuff, you know, I'm fine with what they're doing right now. I, I think the big thing is I just don't want like, you know, Jesus Christ to show up at some point in Xenoblade. That's my preference. I'm sure somebody would be like, oh, did you know this person in Xenoblade Chronicles represents Jesus Christ? And I'm like, no, it's okay. I don't need to know that. Um, um, so like, as long as they don't go that direction, I think I'm generally fine. I think the other thing is, is that like, now that they have established these two worlds together, you know, I don't think I'll have the same problems that I have with Xenoblade Chronicles 2, where it felt horrendously forced. I mean, obviously, this game I mentioned earlier, it feels like it is trying very hard to connect these worlds in a way that I think maybe is a little overzealous from a visual perspective. But so far, it's not too, too bad um, on that. And like the story is fairly independent so far. Um I think I'm really going to start questioning, you know, that stuff towards the end. You know, what are the, how are they wrapping these things together? Are we going to see, you know, Shulk and Rex show up and be like, hey, blokes, let's go save the world. We need to create the world of, um, what is that game called? What is the world called in Xenoblade Chronicles X? 
We need a Xenoblade Chronicles X connection somewhere here. Um, uh, Mira? Mira. We gotta make the world a Mira. <laughs> Something like that. Like, like if, it's, if it, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes, if it was like that stupid, I might just be like, okay, man. Yeah, wrap in Xenoblade Chronicles X into this at this point. We already have gone this deep. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, <laughs> You know, I, I do hope it's fairly... I think what I really want is it to be respectful. I think Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is a game that is not respectful of its story by the end of it. I think it very much throws its own story out for the sake of the series in a lot of ways, which I, I, I f personally think they did not need to do. I do not think they needed to do what they did at the end of Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I think they could have had it end and then, like, make the connection, but don't, like... Don't sit there and like, I guess it is an ending that really undermines the whole game in a lot of ways. I just won't say much more than that because um, I know some people may have not played this in my Chronicles too, but you know, it is definitely an ending that I am not a huge fan of. So anyways, like I said, 10 hours, there's a lot of time to turn around. My biggest concern is combat. I'm looking at what's left to unlock and I'm like, mm, we are running out of options for me to really feel satisfied with this combat. Um, that being said, I think it's a great combat system overall. It just feels kind of samey without some of the elements of other games that I like so much. Um, and then the parts that are very good are the parts that have always been very good. So I'm cautious at, at best about it. So, but again, I, I, I would love to love this game and I'm going to continue to trying to love this video game. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I like my soft games and if I, if I can find, the the part of this game that that gives me that monolith soft moment the monolith soft moment where you can one shot a boss <laughs> i'm sure somebody will one shot something but i think, I think the accessibility aspect of it to another degree there's a lot of things that make a good monolith soft combat system um i'm just thinking this game has a lot of the pieces but i don't see it all coming together in the way that i i think um i need <laughs> but we'll see again i still i'd say if i'm getting around the 25 hour mark and i'm still not seeing where that combat's coming together my tone is going to probably change quite a bit um i will probably start being like mm, mm, i don't know about this i don't know about this xenoblade video game series that's happening um anyways cross my fingers I always want a good monolith soft game over a bad one. So, um, not bad. Sorry. It's not a bad game. A, a monolith soft game that I really enjoy to play. Um, so, and, and I can say this, if Xenoblade Chronicles 2 gave you problems because of a lot of its, pro the problems that the game had from like a gameplay perspective and a lot of like very abrasive design decisions so far, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 does not have any of those. It is very friendly, very approachable. Um, and, and if you are looking for a game that is going to alleviate those issues, I think Xenoblade Chronicles 3 does a great job with that. Stick, that's the video game line, <laughs> the video game review line. Hey, here are these very objective things I can say that were improved. They did improve and they were very good, <laughs> but, but the feeling, the feeling is where it's at. Um, so anyways, I thought we'd talk a little bit about a couple of things that came out of a, um, Xenoblade Chronicles interview that happened. Um, you know, Nintendo still runs their kind of, uh, a Wada Ask kind of series. It's called just developer interviews now, maybe, but they still run this series. Um, a couple of things came out of it. One is that for Xenoblade Chronicles 3, they said the expansion pass they're doing, they're going to have like a Torna style, um, extra content pack. I, I assume if they're looking at that, they'll also do a physical copy of that. Who can say? But um, that, that was what my assumption would be 
given that they did that for Torna as well. Torna is a great game, in my opinion, the best Xenoblade Chronicles game. Story's a little weak, but combat-wise, amazing. Great entry point for the series, I think. Again, other than the story aspect of it. But I think if you're looking for a great Xenoblade Chronicles game to start with, and you don't care about the story stuff so much, Torna, amazing place to start. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, I'm very excited to see another game in the style of like a Torna thing. I definitely would lean more towards a Torna than a Future Connected. Future Connected feels more like uh, more like straightforward DLC added to a game, where Torna feels like a full game on its own that is, and by full game, I mean just like, it feels like a complete game, self-standing game with can minus the story part of it <laughs> um and 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 is a 20 hour really tight package so i think that's what really stood out to me about torna is it's just it, it it really works well uh, containing itself um so that's really cool it's coming um i won't be buying the dlc stuff in the meantime unless like some real big thing comes to change the torna style content is the only thing i could think of that would really get me to jump in on the dlc of that game um, a couple of other things is that there's kind of two different ways that seem to be communicated about what Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is. Um, so Monolith Soft themselves seem to be saying that, hey, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is the end of the Xenoblade Chronicles trilogy. So, hey, guys, if you thought Xenoblade Chronicles X was a part of this whole mess, like I do, <laughs> um, I would prefer kind of to some degree that they had some connection to that to some degree, just because it'd be kind of neat. Um, but, you know, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, in some ways, I'd prefer no connections um, but to anything. Uh, but uh, anyway, so so they are basically saying this is kind of the end of this trilogy um, and this is kind of the amalgamation of ideas. So, you know, a lot of these things I'm showing concern for, um, could be alleviated by that fact you know if they're saying this is truly the end of a trilogy and this game is the culmination of all these things um hopefully that means that that would also mean from a gameplay perspective right structural perspective you know i really want a game that distances itself from xenoblade chronicles 1 and xenoblade chronicles 2 that is what i really want for the next xenoblade chronicles game personally um uh, next Monolithsoft game. I would rather just have another Monolithsoft game that's not Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, however, that's probably not happening. Um, there was an IP that was announced, a new IP announced like forever ago that Monolithsoft did. Hopefully that shows up at some point, but it was announced like 2018 and still has not been talked about. So, hey, I'm going to guess probably not happening. I think that's the better way to bet at this point. Um, but anyways, but Nintendo, the, uh, in this interview series, uh, the, the guy who basically is the mediator between Nintendo and Monolithsoft, he was just like, yeah, or we want Xenoblade Chronicles to go on forever, by the way. Um, so they, they're basically saying we want this to be a ongoing franchise that Model of Soft works on. Um, and, you know, as somebody who really wants new IP for Model of Soft, you know, that kind of goes against what I personally want. Um, so I'm not particularly excited about that. Um, but like I said earlier, games like Xenoblade Chronicles 2, um, in some ways, extended over that gap. Um, it, it did set itself apart from Xenoblade Chronicles 1 in many different ways. Xenoblade Chronicles X, same thing, set itself apart. Um, and, I, and I'm really hoping Xenoblade Chronicles 3 does the same. Um, and if it doesn't, welcome to five years of anxiety while I wait for Xenoblade Chronicles 4. I'm like, are they going to fix my issues? <laughs> um, so, so, yeah. Anyways... Xenoblade Chronicles talk. I know that's a little like scattered brain, but also, you know, I'm not super deep in yet. You know, 10 hours or so. Got a long ways to go. I'll probably play some more tomorrow. 
Um, probably a lot more, to be honest. I would like to get around like 25 hours before I take any serious break from the game. And I feel like just like shoving as much time into it as I possibly can early on is the best way to do that, probably. So, um, will I do a Xenoblade Chronicles video for Xenoblade Chronicles 3? Maybe. I think there is space for it. Um, I think the big question is going to be when I finish Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and, um, you know, uh, how quickly I can put a video together. Um, if the game continues how it goes, um, and it never really comes together, um, I think there will be a reason for me to make a video that I probably would treat like a Balan Wonderworld video, um, where, you know, I understand this game has a great reception, um, and I, and I, and I think there are a lot of things about Zingleby Chronicles 3 that are great, um, but... Here, as somebody with my values, and here are my values kind of thing, I would want to try to explain that in the video. Here are the problems that I have with this. Um, so I would like to maybe do that. Um, you know, when you think about that from a YouTube content plan perspective, sorry, my cat's going around like messing with stuff, so I'm sorry if you hear some metal getting moved. Um, if, if from a YouTube content plan perspective, you know, I don't know if I'd be able to do anything in a, in a reasonable time frame. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see. I think, I feel like, you know, I always, I always say this, and I don't really mean this as a gatekeeping term. I don't really want it to be a gatekeeping term. And I think I would like to express this a different way because of that association. But um, I think the thing I always say is that, like, I think most Xenoblade Chronicles fans today are... Xenoblade Chronicles fans. Um, the step beyond that, they're Xeno fans kind of thing, right? And then after that, you have Monolith Soft fans. Um, and then after that, you have assholes like me. <laughs> that are like, <laughs> uh, you have this very specific like mechanics-driven idea of what Monolith Soft should be. Um, so explaining those values, I think, will be very important for someone like me to communicate to somebody who is in the Xeno fan base. Um, does the Xeno fan base want to hear from someone like me, an old man who, who, you know, you know, I have not been with Monolith from the beginning, right? I was not a Xeno gears fan. Um, initially, um, I started with Botan Kytos, um, you know, so not too far after Xeno gears, about, you know, five years, maybe, um, you know, so, so definitely, um, you know, earlier on, um, you know, what is, do they care about what someone like me care, cares about? I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think I think there is a long-term video plan as well that I would like to do with Monolith Soft where I talk about what I value in a Monolith Soft game. Because I don't necessarily think that um, the things that I value are as important to Xeno fans today. I could be wrong about that. Um, but I think... I think many of my issues would be brushed off by most fans in that space, which I, which I think is totally reasonable, totally legit. Don't don't think that's me complaining. Um, I think it's just trying to figure out, you know, who the audience for that video is. What am I trying to communicate, right? Um, you know, I, I, ideally, ideally, you know, I, I I would like to, you know, be a little more um, direct in my videos and stuff. I think I thought a lot about this when I read my near review recently of just like. And I think I've, I've always kind of felt this way where it's like, sometimes I feel like I just get like hung up in the, the cruft of a game 
in the cases where some games that don't really need to be explained, right? Um, I don't think I need to tell people about what Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is. There's plenty of ways to go about doing that. I think the Battle of Wonderworld video is a great example of where I just sum up, hey, I'm going to acknowledge these things are good about this game in these reviews. X, 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 X. Bam. In the case of Battle of Wonderworld, it's like, these are the bad things. But like, like, let me just say, I acknowledge these things. I think these things are valid. I think these things are important. I think these things are true. But let me talk about my side of things. So I, I want to acknowledge that appreciation of the game. And then try to focus on that. So, anyways, I wasn't really planning on talking about what I was going to do for a Xenoblade Chronicles 3 video or if I'll do one. I, I'm, we are 60 hours away, I'm sure, between that being a possible reality. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens with that. Anyways, thanks for listening to all Xenoblade Chronicles uh, a bunch. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it more. I'm sure next week you'll get an update. You'll you'll have me either being like, yeah, this is turning out pretty good. Or you'll have me being like, I don't like Xenoblade Chronicles 3 because it tastes too much like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 a month. <laughs> so, so it'll be one or the other probably, or I'll just be in the middle and be like, ah, you know, could could come back together. The the range of emotions. <laughs> There's a Kyle Bossman video where he was just like, the range of emotions on the characters in Xenoblade. He's making fun of the characters and like their depth, and I, I don't disagree with him um because like watching a trait like i do not watch xenoblade chronicles trailers for a reason G knowing what a character is like through the a trailer is a whole thing you know they're gonna say their one line that's like i want to protect the people of the world and it's like what does that tell me about a character it tells me you're a jrpg protagonist <laughs> um but there's like one one thing that he has in his video where he's like yeah you can see the full range of emotion the cat cat's happy or the cat girl's happy and the cat girl cries you can see both sides of the cat curl. That was pretty funny. Uh, maybe it doesn't play off well, me just explaining it. But anyways, I'm going to shut up. Bunny Mission Bomb video this week. Poured my heart and soul in that video. Um, there's some things I'm embarrassed about the center part of the video. We'll probably talk about it once that video is done. Um, I may do a behind-the-scenes video, actually, for the Patreon. I might try to do that. That's something I haven't really done before. So that might be where I do that, honestly. But... Um, anyways, but that video's coming out. I'm excited. I hope you watch it. Please give me any feedback you have. That's the first time I've had to talk about characters to the depth I did there. Whether I was successful, I think is another thing, but I tried my best and, um, you're welcome to give me some feedback on like, hey, Ben, you didn't say anything interesting about these characters. You just say you're, they're very handsome. <laughs> That's all you're saying. So, so feel free to give me some feedback on that. Otherwise, um, we'll figure out something for stream this week and we'll do that at seven o'clock. Again, I'll tweet that and also post it on the YouTube community section where you should get a post notification if you're subscribed. Why don't you subscribe on the YouTube? Hey, if you go to um, my, uh, or you, if you search for One Control Report on any podcast platform, you should be able to get the audio version of our podcast my podcast just me um on your podcast platform if you need help finding anything i have an anchor fm page that i can help with uh, my, my my main twitter now has a link tree on it where you can find a lot of links through there so um go ahead and head that or my 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 one control board twitter does um so again a lot of these things are in the description i'll put that link tree link in the description this week i probably should do that long term actually so, so i'll probably do that but anyways i hope you guys have a great week if you're playing Xenoblade Chronicles, I hope you're loving it. I'm mixed, but I'm going to try my best to find something in this video game to enjoy. So uh, I'm enjoying it, but just not to the degree I would like to be enjoying it. So, All right. You guys have a great week. Bye.